Um, hello, my name is Aisha Gazawi. I go to Ashcroft High School. Um, I'm 14. Aisha is kind of an inspiration to me. My life is like all over the place. I do a lot of things. She's not kidding. Aisha swims. I mean, like the highest group in squats and we do competitions. She was a public speaking champion two years in a row. And I was debating captain. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. She's had various leadership roles. Uh, all throughout my life, I was always in like the SRC. I was always like in leadership stuff. I was school captain in my school, in my primary school. And now in Ashcroft, in high school, I'm in the SRC. And hopefully when I get to Utah, I'll become school captain. That's my aim. And on top of all this, Asia studies a lot. <laughs> like a lot, a lot. And I'm very ambitious and I have goals. I want to be a cardiologist when I grow up. But if you think these lofty goals and robust resume indicate some special or private education, think again. Like my school personally, we're, we don't really, we're not really like the rich kids or anything. We're like, we're considered as like a disadvantaged school. There's a lot of kids that are not really, they're more into sports and arts and they're not really intellectual. So, you know, like we, we, our range is huge. In my math class, we have people getting, for example, me, I'm getting 99% and we have some people that are getting like zero. And it's like such a huge range. You know what I mean? And then between me and second, we're talking about like at least 8%. So it's like really big difference. Mm -hmm. And um, also I feel like it's family as well because your household really affects who you are and like really shapes who you are and your experiences. So like in my household, we're more conservative and we don't really, we don't really try new things. Like even food, my mom doesn't really try new food. She just sticks to Lebanese food, never tries Thai food. She never tries Japanese or, or Korean or any type of food, just Lebanese. But it's still yummy, trust me. Try the sweets, oh, it's so good, it's so good. <laughs> and I'm so sorry, I talk too much. Um, it's fine, you do not talk too much. This is Miles again, by the way, one of the producers of the show. Don't let anyone ever tell you you talk too much. Um, thank you very much. For me, like I had this passion. I want to do business, but I want to do doctors. And I'm just like, I don't know where the heck I am. And you I want to do everything. Yes, everything. Why not? You know, why not? I'm ambitious and I, I don't know, I want to reach the stars. Last episode, we stood outside the school gates, looking in. And from the outside, it's easy to judge a school by the appearance of its buildings. The facade looks beautiful. Its facilities. Rotten drain smells throughout the back half of the school. Its garden. Butterfly houses, you know, turtle ponds, all sorts of things. Even its students. Because it's full of druggies, people are serious stuff and all sorts of weird and wonderful things you got told. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, I recommend you go back and do so. It's not essential, but it'll give some great context for what's to come. This episode, we are breaking down the fence to find out what it's really like to be a student of supposedly disadvantaged schools. Our producer, Nina Copel, has this story. And the story starts with Jenny. So my name's Jenny. I came from a low SES school. Low SES means low socioeconomic status. From Burong Girls High School, which is in the Bankstown area. 
And yeah, high school was four years ago. Yeah. Did you, like, when you were in high school, did you know that you were going to a lower socioeconomic high school? Was that something you were kind of conscious of? Mm, not really. Like, I knew I was in a low SES school, but that doesn't stop me from putting my own effort in. Like, what my dad said, it doesn't matter what school you do, go to, everything's on you. You have to put in the effort. And, you know, once you put in the effort in... That pays off. Like I said, I'm not, well, I haven't said this, but I'm not from the most well-off family. And I think because of that, I already knew that, oh, you know, I have a low SES background. But, you know, that doesn't, just because of that, it shouldn't stop me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. Well, if it's okay, I might ask you, you know, you said you come from, you know, a family that's not as well off. Yeah. When did you realize that? Did you realize that when you were a kid? Did you have conversations with that with your parents? I never had a conversation with my parents with that. It is a really sensitive topic for them. And I'd rather not. Like, as a kid, I've seen that already. So that's why as of now, I'm slowly just helping them as well. So it's not, you know, not too bad. Yeah. Well, so like, do you think it motivated you to work harder in school? Definitely. Because, like, my parents, like, both my parents don't work, so my dad stopped working. And then because of that, it's like, oh, you know, I want to, like, go on road trips. I want to go on holidays with them. It's like, but we can't exactly do that. That's why that kind of pushes me. It's like, you know, Jenny, work hard. That That would pay off. And then eventually one day you'll be able to, you know, go on holiday. So that's why I'm hoping next year I can take them back to Vietnam. So that was my goal. That's amazing. Yeah. And a key step in Jenny reaching her goal is university. Uh, Yeah, education is that pathway to, like, a higher level. That's what I have thought, at least a majority of my life, because that's what my parents are saying, you know, go uni, get a good job, and then, you know, you'll be able to, like, live more comfortably. So I, it is kind of like a stereotype in a way, but I think it's kind of true at the same time. But getting in and going to university is a lot harder when no one else in your family has done it before you. I want you to tell me when I say stop. Stop. Right there, right? Okay, um, just point out one of the piles, anyone? This pile. That one right there, okay, so we'll remove this one, right? And um, This is Thomas. Really He's doing a magic trick for our producer, Miles. Beautiful, okay. Miles, how, how, how lucky are you feeling today? Pretty lucky. Pretty lucky, and when it comes to a deck of cards, what would be like the most, like, the most powerful cards in the deck? The aces, right? The aces, right, yeah. Thomas goes to a low SES school. That's a pretty good start. That's a pretty good start. But recently, he found himself on a university campus through a program designed to expose kids to new and different life opportunities. That's the answer, Thomas. All four aces just like so. <laughs> that is... Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I feel like when I do magic, it's like the only thing that keeps me happy. As a 12-year-old, you know, like, my only dream in my head was like, magic, you know, you're going to become a magician when you're older. 
And then like somewhat during the program, I was like, reality hit me and I was like, you know what, you know, you need to find other other ways and other ideas. And and I said to myself, you know, if magic doesn't work out, then I want to be a journalist. And if journalism doesn't work out, then I, I just want to work with PE or something. I, I don't know. But you know what, like after this program, I'm definitely considering other pathways with uni. Has anyone else in your family gone to uni? No one in my family has ever been to uni. So, like, going back to high school, did you want to go to uni? I guess let's start there. Did I want to? Yes. This is Jenny again, former student of a low SES high school. Because... I think just I know that I want to work in the corporate world one day. So, and I can't exactly get into that world if I didn't have a degree. But pursuing this goal was challenging at times. I was a very shy, introverted girl back in high school. I often got cut off when I spoke. The fact that she was going to a low SES school wasn't something that Jenny thought about all the time, but it did come up. I attended a legal conference workshop back in year 10 and I was grouped up with students from private schools or from students that are from, I guess, like North Sydney or Sydney girls. And I felt because of this, because they went to that school, I felt really inferior to them because they, the way they acted, they were like, oh, I'm so smart. And this made Jenny question herself. Am I as good as them or whatnot? And I just, I think that was one of the only times I felt really disadvantaged. It was a good experience at the end of the day and my group won the, the case. But those three days, I felt very uncomfortable and I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. A feeling which for some students from low SES backgrounds can follow them right through their educations and right through their lives. I, I might just ask you to jump right in and just, yeah, tell me your name, what you do, maybe a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Georgina. I've, I work at UTS. I've been working here for just over 10 years. I spent nine years before that working at UNSW, so I've had about 19 years of experience in higher ed. Georgina sees higher education, or education that continues after high school, as a way of addressing inequality in our society. Going to university will, generally speaking, help you with long-term income difference. When you first start, maybe not, but over time. But students from a lower SES background entering the higher education world can face all sorts of barriers. They can maybe come from a community where nobody has been to university. Georgina, unlike Jenny, came from a family where tertiary education was the norm. When I went to um, UNSW, my dad had already taken me there a couple of times. He used to do some um, lecturing kind of stuff, like he was an industry guy, so he did some work kind of with the area that he was specialised in. And so you, you get familiar with the university system, you get familiar with the campus, you get familiar with, you know, the way universities work. So for me, when I went to university, the idea of a lecture or what was a tutorial, I sort of, I think I already knew that. But when she got to uni, she still struggled. I used to stay up and, and, and I'd miss lectures and I'd miss all sorts of things. Georgina's undergrad was in science, but her heart was elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I scraped through, but it was not, not the way I would normally have 
performed. So when she graduated, she decided to give university another go. Went straight on, did a master's in educational administration, majoring in leadership and motivation. And that, um, I did really well there, yeah. Now she works to make the transition into university that she found so difficult easier for other students. The difference between high school and um, university or between the workplace and university or between TAFE and university, whichever pathway students come from, is quite hard and sometimes quite lonely. So you can be in really big lecture theatres and think the lecturer doesn't care about you, which may not be the case, but it's very hard for someone to care for 500 people. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me about a little bit about UPASS and what you do now. Yeah, so UPASS is a peer-assisted program and I think lots of people at university know how to help students. Like a lot of us are really experienced at, at supporting students, but the reality is I'm a whole generation away from them. UPASS is a non-compulsory extra class that students can go to in some subjects. The idea is to help students grasp the concepts that they really need to do well in the subject. But most importantly, in UPASS... Your teacher is someone just like you. That's the advantage of a peer-based program like UPASS is that students are supported by peers who are similar to them, who've just kind of gone through this idea of just doing the subject. So typically I I try and hire students who who are in second year, just done it in first year, and they know all the tricks. They've done well, but we also choose students who um, are lovely, basically, compassionate, kind, other person-centred. So yeah, UPASS is about supporting students mainly in their first year by running study classes for those students with those leaders. And while something like this program could benefit all students, students who come from low SES backgrounds stand to gain a lot. One of the issues that sometimes students have is they might want to hire a private tutor, right? They kind of go out and they say, okay, I want someone to help support me. If you're from a low SES background, you don't have the money to do that. This is a a free and helpful service for every student that allows you to meet a really high achieving student and get all the tips and skills. UPASS can also help students who are lacking in time. When I've met low SES students, often they're working a lot. Yes, they have to work. You know, they might be on study, they might not. Like, it's quite hard to qualify for study. But even if they are, they still need to work because it's not, a, it's not a livable income. And what this does, it really focuses. So instead of spending three hours trying to understand a concept, they come to the class and, it, and they kind of get it in one hour. So it helps them focus on what they're doing and, and, and saves them time because they need that time to work or commute. I mean, a lot of our low SES students commute quite a long way. So if you're on a train for an hour and a half each, each way, that's three hours of your day that you're going to take up in, you know, essentially dead time. But UPASS also helps address that knowledge gap that comes from being the first person in your family to go to university. That first semester is a massive learning curve because you're not just learning the material. You're essentially learning how to get around the university. You're learning how to contact lecturers. You're learning what a subject outline looks like. You're learning how to manage student email. There's a huge amount of other stuff that you need to learn when you first start. And that takes a lot of cognitive capacity. Essentially, it's like when you're going on holidays and you know how you wander around a city for a day, you've never been there before, and then you're really exhausted. It's because that environment is constantly hitting you with all these sights and sensations. And so that's another factor, I think, that is even even worse if you don't have a lot of background in, in what universities are like or how to get around them or stuff like that. And so for students from a low SES background who end up in uni, UPASS can help with the transition. In the first couple of weeks, we go in and we watch the students and you can see that students are um, a bit uncomfortable, kind of, oh my God, I can't believe I'm sitting in this class, I don't know these people. 
But when I watch classes in the latter half of semester, the students are interacting, everyone's comfortable, they're teasing each other. It's like this little community. You know, they've really formed a sense that they're in this together, that they're working on it together, that, you know, the fact that they can't remember this particular formula or that particular concept, you know, everyone knows you. It's, it's, like, it's like a second little second home. But to go to UPASS, to get into university, students have to be able to imagine themselves following that path. They might feel like they're not good enough because there are, you know, other people who come from, like, really prestige schools. This is Jenny again. And because of that, that motivation's not there for them to even keep going forward. But Jenny didn't let herself think this way. For, like, my own career, I was like, okay, Jenny, you know, do these things to help build your confidence. So I became a peer support leader. I became a prefect. I attended the U at Uni summer school program. This program exposed Jenny to what uni was like well before she was thinking about applications. And yeah, and those two weeks were, I guess, because like it was actually students mentoring us. It's like, oh, you know, because of that, it's possible for me to go uni uni because they've been through what I've been through. And that kind of helped me push myself and drive me like that motivation to go university was greater. And Jenny's drive to achieve her goals helped her find her confidence. I hate speaking in front of a lot of people, at least back in high school, but I was chosen to speak during graduation in front of like 200, 250 people. And that was my first time. And I was like holding the microphone, I was full on shaking. But if I look back, I'm grateful that I didn't give it up because I actually put myself in that position and forced myself to be like, okay, Jenny, you can do it. Just try it. And since then, I just kept, I guess, pushing myself, doing different things that I wouldn't think I would do. Like, I kind of contemplated whether I wanted to do this, but then I was like, you know what, will I ever get a chance again to record in an actual radio station? And it's a good experience. Now here I am, graduated uni, which is something I would not have believed would actually happen to me four years ago. And the mentorship Jenny received is something she in turn has given back to other students at the same summer program she once went to. So a student that I mentored in my very first year, I mentored her, then I ended up tutoring her in the HSC tutorial program with um, Equity and Diversity Unit, and now she's at university at UTS. So I was seeing her as a year 11 student, and you see that growth, and now she just completed her first year of uni. It's like, you know, you don't get anything out of that besides that personal satisfaction that, you know, you can help somebody that comes from a low SES background achieve what they wanted to achieve. Verity, what struck you about this episode? I really loved this episode because I loved the stories of the students and just their, you know, passion and drive. What I found interesting about this episode is that it confirms a lot of the research that we've done that shows, of course, that parents are really significant. Or when I say parents, I mean, you know, dominant carers or people who help people grow up, people who are looking after these kids. 
because both of the students or a number of the students interviewed talked about the role that their family played in encouraging them to work hard. And what we know is that the biggest factor in how students will perform in their education is about family. And interestingly, over 50% of of the factors that we say lead to positive education outcomes is actually the home you come from. In fact, the second biggest impact factor is the quality of the teacher in the classroom, and that's only seen as representing about 30% of the outcome. So parents are incredibly important, and it doesn't matter whether these parents are rich or poor. If the parents are supporting the child, encouraging them to work hard, giving them a sense of resilience and self-belief, then this really will be the biggest impacts on how that child does in education. Does it matter whether or not these parents have extra resources to pay for a tutor, to actually sit down with their children, help them with their maths homework, or is it just parents who care? Look, I would say fundamentally it's parents who care, but at the same time you cannot deny the real structural disadvantages that people face and really great caring parents who love you help with those structural disadvantages but you can't say it wipes it out completely so what do you do well as educators your job is to make sure that at least they get a chance for a good education so you do everything you can to provide access and you do everything you can to provide supports for those students once they're in a learning environment whether it's in their schooling in in primary and secondary schooling or whether it's once they come to university as first in family because what we do know is that it's pretty scary to come to university if nobody in your family has ever been to university before. And we also know if you, like I did, arrive at university having had two parents who went to university, a lot of it seems pretty familiar to you. You you talk the language of academia, really, and that is an advantage. So what we say to people is excellent, come here and we're also going to provide you with the supports that wrap around services that mean that you can succeed in this environment. And so we've heard how important it is for kids to imagine their future. But what happens when they can't? When for whatever reason, a student has fallen between the cracks and there's no one there to catch them? Because I almost overdosed in my vice principal's office, so I was suspended for 20 days. I was pathetic. I was um, not worth it. Why should I even bother? next time on All Things Equal. You've been listening to All Things Equal, a collaboration between the Centre for Social Justice and Inclusion at the University of Technology, Sydney, and 2SER 107.3. This podcast is produced by Miles Herbert, Ollie Henderson and Nina Copel. Marketing and communications by Olivia Stanley, And a big thanks to Laura Oxley from the Centre. This podcast was made on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose elders have been telling stories here since time immemorial. If you like the show, don't forget to hit subscribe and maybe give us a review so that other people can find us. Stay in the loop by finding us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Verity Firth. Thanks for listening.